Schindler called them repellent and foolish. What is wrong with a man who writes this? she asked. Nothing was wrong with Cummings, or Duchamp, or Stravinsky, or Joyce for that matter. All were trying to slow down the seemingly inexorable rush of the world, to force people to notice their own lives. In the twenty-first century, that rush has now reached force five. We are all inundated with information, and given no time to wonder what it means or where it came from. Access without understanding and facts without context have become our daily diet. Although in the 1950s and 60s Cummings was one of the most popular poets in America, he sometimes didn't make enough money to pay the rent on the ramshackle apartment in Greenwich Village on Patchen Place, where he lived with the incandescently beautiful model Marion Morehouse. This bothered Cummings not at all. He was delighted by almost everything in life, except for the institutions and formal rules that he believed sought to deaden feelings. Guilt is the cause of more dissuaders than history's most obscene marauders, Cummings wrote. Cummings was an American aristocrat with two degrees from Harvard. My father had been headed for Harvard when he was expelled from high school, and he adored Cummings's combination of academic success and light-hearted lack of reverence for academic success. In spite of his establishment background, Cummings treated the establishment with an amused contempt. At a time when the New Yorker annoyingly bowdlerized my father's mentions of kissing, Cummings got away with writing graphic erotic poetry, neatly stepping around the Mrs. Grundys of the magazine world. "'May I feel,' said he. "'I'll squeal,' said she. "'Just once,' said he. He wrote in a famous poem that doesn't upset the apple cart as much as give it a new team of wild horses. He also wrote some of the sweetest love poems of the century. I carry your heart with me. I carry it in my heart. I am never without it. Anywhere I go, you go, my dear. And whatever is done by only me is your doing, my darling. My father drove me to school that night. The master's school in Dobbs Ferry was thirty minutes from where we lived in Scarborough. As we stepped into the entrance hall, Cummings bellowed, "'Joey!' my father's boyhood nickname. The two men heartily embraced as the school's sour founders and headmistresses glared down from their gold-framed portraits on the paneled walls. Cummings was taller than my father, and eighteen years older, but they both wore tattered Harris tweed jackets. Cummings had developed an electrifying and acrobatic way to give poetry readings. Sitting on a chair and moving around the stage instead of hiding behind a lectern and timing his readings to the second. For this audience, he knew enough to skip his erotic masterpieces. His elegance and courtesy got him a standing ovation, especially for a powerful moving evocation of his father. My father moved through dooms of love, through sames of am, through halves of give, singing each morning out of each night. After an encore, he appeared in his coat and scarf to let the audience know he had to go home. My father and I drove him to Patchen Place. He was the most brilliant monologuist I have ever known, wrote Malcolm Cooley, and that night, leaning forward from the back seat of our second-hand dodge, 
I was treated to what Archibald MacLeish called one of Cummings's virtuoso performances. Cummings was an unabashed and very funny rebel. He also had an astonishingly mobile face and a flexible dancer's body. He wasn't just an inspired mimic. He seemed to become the people he was imitating. To this day, my ninety-four-year-old mother fondly remembers his imitations, his collapsible top hat, and his willingness to stand on his head for a laugh. As we turned out of the school's genteel tree-lined driveway and down the hill to Route 9, headed for the vibrant city, Cummings let out a deep, comic sigh of relief. My father drove, and Cummings talked, mocking the teachers who were making my life miserable. He said the place was more like a prison than a school. It was a hatchery whose goal was to produce uniformity. I was unhappy there? No wonder. I was a spirited and wise young woman.